Namo tasa bhagavato alahato samasambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato alahato samasambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato alahato samasambuddhasa Buddhangdamang sangang namasami So we're right in the heart of the 2013 Rains Retreat now. One month has gone past. And it's very nice to see that no one's going up the wall yet. At least they haven't told me. They're hiding it very well. <laughs> but uh, at this particular time, we start to maybe face some problems. Some of you, the meditation is going really well. Some are not so well. Some of you are getting restless. Some of you are very happy, just having a nice, quiet time. Some of you have got business to be done. And just like me, because no matter how I try and arrange my life, there's always things happen, whether it's committee meetings or last, I mean, just a few days ago, having to rush and fly off to Thailand during the middle of the range retreat you know, for a 10-minute bowing session in front of my, the body of my preceptor. And I don't think he would have missed me if I hadn't have gone. <laughs> but this is what you have to do. And as sometimes I am stupid as well. I think, why do I have to do this for? And I'm sure that many of you have had that same thought during this range retreat. Why do I have to, to uh, arrange the spraying of the Cape tulips in my range retreat? Why do I have to drive? Why do I have to wash up? Why do I have to do all this work arranging for the building of the nuns monastery? Why do, <coughs> why do I have to do all this stuff? And, you know, I'm smart enough now. I've tortured myself enough, you know, over the almost 40 years I've been a monk. Enough of all of that, you know, just uh, uh, groaning, complaining, you know, meditation. Well, meditation's not going well, groaning. Forget about that. Because all of that is that wanting, that craving, that desire. And that just makes just life just too unpleasant. So instead of all of that complaining, I just always reminded myself that the whole purpose of my monastic life is to be free from suffering. Sabha, dukkha, nibbana, nisarana. Sorry. What is it again? Yes, right, yeah. Sabha, dukkha, nisarana, nibbana, sachikavanataya. The first part, sabbadukhanisarana, which is the freedom from all suffering. That's what you're uh, trying to become a monk for. Now, you're not trying to be free of all duties. You're not trying, that's not what we ordained for. Sabbadukhanisarana, <laughs> that'd be free of all duties. We're not trying to be free of all pain of body. nisarana. Because, you know, you can't do that. It's sabadukha nisarana, the freedom from all forms of suffering. And you can, don't have to be a, a rocket scientist and know exactly what dukkha is. You're experiencing every day. So every time you're having a, a hard time, amazing. So you're practicing. You're getting to know what dukkha is. And some of you, you have to keep on knowing what dukkha is day after day, week after week, year after year. Surely you get the point now. You understand what dukkha is. You've gone, done the first noble truth. You've overdone it. You've done it so many times. <laughs> so now move on to the second and the third noble truths. You understand, just you know, why? 
in life do we feel like it's like a prison? You know, why? Just being stuck in this tube, flying through the air. Just, you know, just not being able to get up and do my walking meditation. And even in business class, they don't allow you to do quiet walking meditation in the aisles. And, you know, the seat's not quite big enough to sit cross-legged. That's why sometimes, you know, if you're very lucky, the economy class is better because if there's no one sitting next to you, you can move up that armrest and you can sit cross-legged. But, you know, in the business class, there's no armrest, it's just something really solid. So, you know, sometimes it's more torture if you want to meditate being in business class. If you don't understand the second and third noble truths. It's even in business class you can just start complaining and, and moaning and you're not free of suffering. And so the whole purpose of this is learning how to be free of suffering and after a while you understand what the suffering is and its cause. It's all because of wanting something, trying to get somewhere. And which is one of the reasons why many, many years ago, to put it very simply, you, know, you identified the two types of freedom. And the first type is freedom of desires. And the second is a freedom from desires. And you realize that first type of freedom, the freedom of desires, is no freedom at all. The freedom of desires is when you just do what you want to do, when you want to do it, how you want to do it. When you get the food which you like, the freedom of desires, where you can come and go when you want to come and go. You can do the duties, <coughs> what you want to do. And you can see just so many of our idea of freedom is just trying to get what we want and trying to get rid of what we don't want. In other words, it's trying to make our desires sort of meet their goals. And, you know, you find out in life, if you haven't found out already, and all those desires, all those wants, even the good wants, they never fulfill their promises. There's always some fault and defect in the product which you get once you've, you've earned it. The food which you sort of you know, get is never perfect enough. I don't know how many times when I was a young monk I tried to want to get the perfect fish and chips. It's really weird, you know, when I first became a monk, I would crave for fish and chips. And then, after about six months, I finally dawned on me, hang on, for about four years, five years before I was a monk, I was a vegetarian, I never ate this stuff. <laughs> which was weird. You know, sometimes we crave for things which when we had the chance to eat as much as we want, we didn't want at all. We wouldn't even want it. But I always remember that after about, oh, I don't know how many years, you know, here in, oh no, the, <laughs> I can't miss this story. The monks know this, but some of you don't know it. After seven years in Thailand, you know, eating rice and frogs and all other disgusting stuff, you know, I went, it took me seven years before I went to visit my home. And of course, you know, going sort of <laughs> back to London after seven years living in the jungle, one of the things, you know, you're looking forward to is getting some decent food especially some chips. And this is absolute true story. Many of the monks know this story. You know, after landing and going over to um, Chittos Monastery, it was the only monastery there then, and then after a few days going to visit my mother, I walked into her apartment and walked into her kitchen. And for those of you who you know have some English background, you know that every sort of working class house 
has a frying pan, a chip pan, which is never ever cleaned. You just keep adding more oil into it. And if you actually try and clean it, it takes away the taste. It takes maybe three or four years to get enough crust of congealed fat on the outside and inside to start making the chips actually tasty. And the chip fan, which I saw in my mother's kitchen, I remembered it had been on the same place on her stove seven years ago. <coughs> hadn't been cleaned at all since then. And I looked upon it, you know, with, with like the familiarity of seeing a, a dear old friend. <laughs> and of course, you, know, you thought, great, I'm going to have some really nice food. And this is no exaggeration at all. Every time I've had a thought like that, Mara comes in and kicks my butt, so to speak. My mother picked up that chip pan right in front of me. I hadn't been more than one minute in that kitchen. And she said, I've been meaning to throw this away for a long time. And in front of my eyes, she threw it in the waste bin. Why had she done that before I came? Why did she wait after seven years? And so much of your life is like that. If you really want something, you never get it. And you know, that happened to me so many times. The only time I did get any chips at all, that first visit was from a Thai man. Because every time I went to visit someone else, they thought, oh, you know, you like rice. I don't like rice. <laughs> but you know, as a monk, you couldn't tell anybody. <laughs> I've had rice for seven years. Give me a break. <laughs> But a Thai man, he was smart, so he gave me some chips. <laughs> I thought about, about two months in London. That's the only chips I've got. Anyway, back to, <laughs> back to feed. You can see, whenever you have those desires like that, it never really works out. And when you did finally get some... Now, sometimes you get fish and chips here, but you get all sorts of other stuff goes on top of it. So, you know, especially now, because people bring food up the top there, and I'm the, you know, in the front, and they look at me, and so... You know, they bring the stuff, you have to put it in your bowl, and it usually lands on top of the stuff you like and messes it all up. But <laughs> anyway, this once, you know, this maybe about, after about 10 years here in, no, yeah, maybe about 10 years here in Australia, that uh, I had to go to a funeral service. There's no way that you could get back into the monastery in time. So this was it, the time to get real, proper fish and chips. You know, straight from the, the fish and chip shop, hot. Now, it was so rare to get anything hot in this monastery. And so finally we got sort of hot fish and chips, and I ate it. And it was so, so disappointing. All those years of fantasy, of dreams, of salivating in my sleep, all of that, and this was it. <laughs> so you can see those desires, they never fulfill, you know, your dreams. No, they don't. They don't meet their promises. But the worst of it is that they can consume you. And they can just lead you by your nose, control you. They are this little monster who's always making you do things and never allowing you to be still and have peace. And it took a while to realize that, you know, I was in the prison of my desires. 
of my wants. And of course, you start that out with the sensory desires, you know, wanting to see beautiful things and having to have a comfortable place to sleep at night. Because sometimes in Thailand it was really hot, or you know, just very hard physically. It was tough. Just wanting some physical comfort would be nice. Wanting some energy in the body. Wanting to be free of sort of aches and pains. Especially in time, want to be free of mosquitoes. It was always irritating you. <coughs> so you can understand the freedom. You know, understand you know, the wanting to have uh, some sensory pleasures or some sensory peace. But every time you search for that, you could never find it. Every time you know, you've got these mosquito nets eventually. And it's amazing just how mosquitoes can find their way into those nets. So you spend your whole night sort of staying up trying to block up all these holes. And by the time you block them all up, it's the dawn you've got to get up for the morning chanting. So it's a totally hopeless waste of time. You can never find that comfort. And that was what it became like, you know, searching for, for happiness through the senses. And sooner or later you just gave that up. You just let the mosquitoes bite you. You just, you know, uh, got by with not much sleep. You just, you know, just got by not eating the stuff you like. It didn't matter so much. And the great thing about that was you had this beautiful sense of freedom from desires. You know, you weren't, you didn't have to worry about what you ate. You didn't have to be concerned of whether you slept enough or you didn't sleep enough. You survived. It didn't matter. <laughs> and once you resisted those desires and realized it was no big deal anyway, you started to gain the freedom from desires. And you realize that I was so locked in to these desires, always having to fulfill them, always having to follow them. Maybe some of them I could sort of just let go of, but there were so many more I just had to follow. I just had to go to the toilet, you know, when the, so the pressure came in. But then you know, when you were listening to these talks from Ajahn Chah, which went on for hour after hour after hour, and after a while, you just forgot about it. You know, as people say, it might be unhealthy physically, but it's very good for you mentally just to resist any desires, even strong desires like that. And you know, the desire to, you know, to just uh, have the food you like or to have rest. You know, you were free from desires, and it's a beautiful thing to have because it made you feel you had much greater liberty. You didn't have to always get up and go to the toilet. You didn't always have to have the food you like. You didn't get any food today, that's fine. You didn't get any sleep last night, that's fine, you'll survive. And you don't feel that good today, fine, tomorrow you'll feel much better. It meant that just all of these, these likes and dislikes were not so powerful anymore. They didn't control you. Which is the whole point of uh, letting go and restraint. Because if you don't restrain and get to understand these, <coughs> these cravings, these desires, these wants, they do control you. And when they start to control you, you don't have any freedom at all. You may think you have freedom. People come to a monastery like this and your friends say, what are you doing this for? Spending three months or years you know, in this monastery, you can't do this, you can't do that. It's like being in prison. 
It's not like being in prison. You just ask Rob. In prison you get much more facilities and much more things you can do and mess around with than in, in, in a monastery. This is more of a prison than a prison when it comes to what you're, you can do what you can't do. But <coughs> in this monastery we learn how to let go of those desires. We have this great sense of freedom. These desires are not coming from us. It's not I want. It's a craving wants. You made that difference. It's not me wanting this. It's not me wanting to go to the toilet. It's not me wanting to have a glass of water. It's not me wanting to watch some movie. It's craving wanting to do this. And of course every time you give in and feed that craving, it means the craving gets stronger and stronger and stronger. You don't have any freedom from it. It rules your life. And you can see just how much now that life is ruled by one's craving. You know, because I travel so much that you know, I get these frequent flyer cards and I was telling Ajahn Pamali or someone recently that because um, it's the second time I got this high tier in Singapore Airlines, they gave me a free gift. And the free gift was these vouchers for the inline shop. You know, on the aircraft, they have this in-flight shop. You can buy stuff. So they gave me these vouchers for $280, free. And I can't give them away, apparently. I've got to buy something or they don't get... And so I just had a look through the, the brochure when I went to Thailand. And it's crazy stuff. <laughs> I just don't know what to do with this. <laughs> Nothing you want in there. You don't want perfume as a monk or bottles of whiskey, or jewellery. <laughs> it gives me an idea of how people live in the world. <laughs> I don't, still haven't got a clue what I'm going to do with these. I'll probably give them away somewhere, I'll find some way of getting rid of them. But it just really starts to show me just you know, what these cravings and desires really are. And it's wonderful to be free. You can look through all of that, and you have the opportunity to buy something, but you don't want it. Isn't that wonderful? Right? You're actually free <coughs> from cravings and desires. And in that world, just people just make craving just so strong that you are a prisoner of it. You have to have it. And it was <laughs> this crazy story epitomizes for me just how craving and desires run people's lives. Just before the range retreat started, there was a gentleman came to see me at Nolamara Centre before the Friday evening talk. And he asked me, he said, does Bodhinyana Monastery want a plasma screen TV? <laughs> That's what he said. He said, no, no, we don't want plasma screen TVs. What about the nuns monastery? No, I answered for you. <laughs> what about no, the city centre? I said, no, we don't need anything like that. I said, well, you know, you can give the money to something else. He said, no, it's not the money. I've already got one. And he said, my wife bought it. I said, why don't you use it? He said, because we don't need it. <laughs> so well, why did she buy it? And he said, because it was on sale. Personal. <laughs> <laughs> They don't need it, but the wife saw it. It was on sale and she had to buy it. And now you're stuck with an extra LCD TV, whatever it's called, plasma screen TV, which nobody wanted. And he wasted all that money just because it was a bargain. <laughs> and I just, 
That's just crazy, isn't it? So what do you do now? Sort of, you're, you know, on sale in this monastery is nimittas and jhanas. <laughs> and you want one. If you get one, <laughs> do you really need it? <laughs> you end up giving it away to somebody, <laughs> if you could. Like my $280 Singapore dollars of free gift vouchers. So be careful. So the problem is, so not that you can't get what you want, it's wanting it in the first place. Wanting anything in the first place. <coughs> that hunger, that craving, that wanting, anything, just gives you no peace at all. So, you know, you have to buy things and you have to work so hard to get, it costs so much to get things. And I'm talking not just things of the five senses, I'm talking about things of the mind. It costs so much to get some peace, so you think. It costs so much to get, you know, a nimitta. You have to work so hard. But do you ever get it that way? And instead, you know, some of you may get become frustrated. A whole month has gone by and I'm not getting anything yet. All of the goals which I had to come on this retreat or, you know, to practice this year, I haven't reached yet. Can you see that you are imprisoned by other type of desires? You know, we have the material desires and now we have the spiritual desires. And for many people, they just transfer one type of desire to the other type of desire. Sometimes people have, they've got their big houses, they've got enough money to last themselves. And so now they want the spiritual goals. The same type of desire, but it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Here in Buddhism, we're not trying to get what we want. We're trying to be free from wanting. It's a totally different thing. Not trying to get what you want. To be free from the wanting in the first place. And that's actually how we practice. So for many people, I tell them, when you, you see any wanting come up, you realize that's a danger. Even wanting good things is a danger. You are just putting yourself in prison again. And there are times, and I like mentioning this to people when they sort of start meditating. You have had times in your life of great contentment. Times when, you, <coughs> sorry, times when you've been really peaceful. And sometimes people call that in the world spiritual experiences. Moments, you know, maybe in a deep meditation, everything has gone so beautifully, so well, you feel so content and happy. Or maybe just out in the world, maybe on some holiday somewhere or climbing a mountain or just going for a walk in the bush. And everything is just so beautiful and so peaceful and so nice. And you have the feeling that you don't want to be anywhere else in the whole world. And nothing is missing. And it's nothing you want. You're just perfectly happy in those, that place. It doesn't have to be in meditation. It can be just sitting by a lake somewhere or just having a walk in the bush on a nice, beautiful, sunny spring morning. You're just so happy to be here and nothing you want in the whole world. Now those are called times of deep contentment and happiness. And those are places where you can get enormous insights and understanding about what I'm talking about. Because those places where you've been so content and so happy are moments where you've been free from all desires. 
free from wanting anything. So happy just to be here. Nothing is missing, so it feels. You don't want anything more. What is the happiness is at last free from having to want something and having to work hard to get it. I like to remind people of those experiences because they're very common. But people don't reflect on them and get insight from them. It's the happiness which is always there when you give up wanting things. And the beautiful thing about that happiness is you don't need to get anything to achieve it. You don't need to get the perfume, the beautiful partner, the big house, the car, see the movie. You don't need anything. In fact, it's a happiness which comes when you don't follow that type of path at all. Just when you let go of everything, then you have this beautiful happiness. And the lovely thing about it is you don't need much. You don't need anything at all. Whatever you have right now, you have those moments of deep tranquility, contentment, the inner happiness. You're just sitting just by a lake. It might not even be full. It may not be the most beautiful lake in the world, but you feel this beautiful sense, this is good enough. And you appreciate what you have. And it's more than enough. It's a time when you feel the freedom from desire. Now that can happen many times during this retreat. And it might happen when you're out of meditation. You're just in a walk from Jhana Grove in the morning when the sun is coming up. It's just beautiful, the early morning, the dawn time. Even for me, just walking from my hut in the early morning, just down for breakfast. It's a beautiful light in the morning sky. I love that time. I'm just so happy and content. I just, because there's many people who are coming over from the retreat, which I used to, uh, do every couple of years at Buddha's Weg in Frankfurt. I used to really enjoy getting up early in the morning and having a cup of coffee, sitting just on the balcony and just watching the sun come up, or watching the dawn arise. And I wouldn't miss that for the world. Even if I was tired, I'd get up because it's a beautiful, content time of day. I could just be by myself, no one asking me any questions, not having to give any talks. Just be silent and totally content. Now I always remember that the, the, the best time of that whole retreat, just in the early morning before everyone got up. Those are times of great contentment and I remember why I was happy then. Because I didn't want anything in the whole world. Everything was perfect. <coughs> and I didn't need to get anything. I just need to stop trying to get things. And that taught me many, many times about how to meditate. Meditating is not getting what you want. Yeah, you know, you want to say beautiful breath. Yes, you want to have nimittas. Yes, you want to have these jhanas. Yes, you want to have stream-winning stream enlightenment. Many of you might like to have psychic powers as well. But every time you want something, you're creating suffering. You're going against the path. Here we're trying to be Sabadukhanisarana, freedom from all suffering. And when I was in Thailand last Tuesday evening, somebody was asking me, because it was no casery where I always stay when I go there, 
she was saying there was a word which I used the last time I was there over in um, June or something, or July. <coughs> you know, it's the Pali word, Sabha-sankara Samatha, the calming of all sankaras, in particular, the calming of chedana, of will. You might even call that the calming of wanting. <coughs> Sabha-sankara Samatha, the calming down of all wanting. That's a a synonym for Nibbāna. It's beautiful to actually understand what that means. All will, all wanting, just calm down. That is a synonym for Nibbāna. But it's not just the synonym, that's Sabha, all sankaras, all the wanting calm down. But even a little bit of wanting calm down creates this great sense of peace and happiness and freedom. It is the freedom from wanting. And that is the path which we're practicing here. So every time you're meditating, remember Sankara Samatha, to calm the cravings, <coughs> to settle down the wantings, to have this sense of being finally free from all wanting. So you're sitting maybe with a sore old body which is tired and with a... a a restless mind or a sleepy mind, but totally content to be here with this stupid, tired old mind of mine, with the achy, itchy throat and the achy, achy legs. Totally happy to be here. But you find you can do that. You don't need to have a perfectly healthy, happy, energized, beautiful body to be at peace. I just sit here and this is good enough. <coughs> and by letting go of that craving, that wanting, you have that same feeling as those amazing times in your life. Maybe just sitting in a mountain somewhere watching the view, just perfectly happy, not wanting anything in the whole world. Nothing is missing, nothing to work for, no jobs to be done, no places to go. Just happy to be here. Freedom from craving. You feel that in your meditation. You're just sitting here with this old body. I'm happy to be here. I don't want to get rid of these hindrances. I just don't want to get jhanas or all these things. That, that's just not in my mind at all. I'm just happy to be here. This is freedom from craving. And when that happens, you just get this beautiful happiness and bliss. At last, this is really what you always wanted. Just no comfort, freedom, bliss. But you've been going around it, about it in the wrong way ever since you were born and beforehand. Always thinking I had to try and get something to be happy. <coughs> but every time you try and get something, that causes unhappiness. So stop trying to get something. Stop trying to go somewhere. Stop trying to be someone. Stop trying to attain things. Stop trying to reach somewhere. Stop trying to plan and get what you want. Give up wanting. Give up planning. Give up all your, your journeys and try to get things and go places. And be here. Just be here with what you have. So our whole goal is to give up wanting. If you want to give up wanting, you just make it, you know, you know what Westerners are like. Okay, I'm now going to want to get, get rid of wanting. 
and you just go round and round and round and just get yourself all tied up in a knot. So don't just want to give up wanting, just do it. <laughs> just give up, let go. And after a while you get the hang of it. And you can remember just from experience what it's like. Just sitting here, not wanting anything in the whole world. Me, not wanting to give a great talk. Not wanting my itchy throat to disappear. Not wanting to go to bed. Not wanting to... Oh, it would be great to be a hermit again and just have no followers. It would be wonderful if nobody liked my talks. And then I can have some peace at last. It would be wonderful if you really get fed up with me and you all leave so I don't have to worry about building more huts for everybody. It would be wonderful. <laughs> it wouldn't. Because that's just more wanting. Instead, you say, just, I'm happy to be here. Just happy just to be sitting here, just seeing what comes into my mind and just talking. Just happy to have to go over to Thailand and just three days of, or two days of traveling and messing around just for ten minutes of having to sort of bow and do my job. I'm happy to do that. I'm happy just to sit up there and talk to people about silly things. <laughs> I'm happy to do that. And that's called freedom. So you can put yourself in a jail with your cravings and wants. Or you can just let go. Surrender, give up. Renounce. Renounce your craving, your wanting. And see if you can taste freedom. The Vimuti Rasa, the taste of freedom. Where you let go. You give up, you renounce. You can say, don't want anything in the whole world. And you feel the freedom from desire. That's with Muti Rasa. And sometimes, yeah, your mind goes all over the place. But fine, I didn't want it to be peaceful anyway. So I'm never disappointed. <laughs> yeah, you can go to sleep. Fine. I didn't want it to stay awake, didn't want anything. You can do whatever it wants. But it's not me wanting it anymore. And what happens when you have the freedom from desire? You've got nothing to do, nowhere to go, nothing to complete, not judging yourself or anybody else. <coughs> because you stop doing things, the mind rests. And yet it does go through sleepiness, first of all. But because you are resting, if you do it properly, all the energy which is wasted by wanting things, by striving and struggling, that, that uses up huge, huge amounts of mental energy and physical energy too. You're just sitting here, wanting nothing in the whole world. The mind wakes up. It becomes bright. Simply because the mind's energy starts to get restored. Energy of the mind comes from stillness. And just stillness is not wanting anything. Every time you want something, you agitate the mind, you disturb it. Even wanting good things disturbs the mind. So you don't want anything. You're freedom from want, which means the mind becomes still. It energizes, and that's the pity sukha. The energy of the mind is joy, happiness, and bliss. And once this starts to happen, it just, it's a natural process. You don't need to make any 
any choices. You don't need to do anything. Because if you do make choices, if you do do something, it's more wanting again. You're just disturbing everything. Just shut up and be still. <coughs> and don't want anything in the whole world. Give up wanting, give up craving, and just be. Wherever you are, you feel so content. The same contentment when you were just watching that lake in the mountains or whatever. So content just to be here. But because you've got your eyes closed and you're sitting still, that energy really starts to build. You get incredibly peaceful and still and blissed out as well. Nimitas, they come when you don't want them. If you want them, you're just making, you're fabricating them. If you don't want anything, you get so still, it becomes a natural process. I don't want anything in the whole world. And these lights come. If you want them, sometimes that's excitement. If you're afraid of them, I don't want them. That becomes the fear. The whole thing just vanishes. Just they come, they go, same to me. I don't want anything in the whole world. But what all I really, really, really are looking for is the freedom from wanting. So no want at all, just being here. And just seeing what comes. With no wanting at all. That is called stillness. And it just takes you into the deepest of meditations. You'll be so amazed how easy it is to get into a jhana. You just see you don't want anything. Really don't want anything. You're just happy to be here. Everything else is extra, it's gravy, it's <coughs> whatever else you know they say. It's just extra, it's not necessary, but thanks anyway for the jhana. And this is what you do. You just your main goal is to be content, is to be peace, have no wanting. And this other stuff, they just comes. Not only does it give you a really good time and to find how easy it is to meditate when you don't want to. If you want to, it's impossible. When you're averse to it, it's impossible. When there's no wanting at all, wanting has vanished, that's when meditation happens. You're practicing the freedom from desire. And the deeper you get, the more delicious is the Vimuti Rasa, the taste of freedom. You're tasting it. It's the freedom from desires, the freedom from craving, the freedom from wanting, the freedom from ill will, the freedom from, from desires, lust, whatever you call it. You're free of that. You're just sitting here and nothing is moving you, nothing is blowing you around. No desires, no cravings, no ill will. You're free from want. And that's such a blissful, beautiful experience. But it's not just for the fun of it, although the fun of it is really worthwhile. I really recommend it. <laughs> it's much more delicious than fish and chips, believe me. Or anything else you want, sauerkraut, kimchi, or I forget what that smelly fish is in Norway. <laughs> but it's much more delicious than anything. And that's why it's a taste of freedom. And of course, it's the insight, the understanding. Every time I want something, strive and crave for something, I've created suffering. When I give up, when I renounce, when I let go of craving, things are so peaceful, so beautiful, so wonderful. And it's just so easy to meditate when I don't want anything. 
As soon as I want to have nimittas, I want jhanas, I want something, it doesn't work. It should be obvious. All these states happen because of freedom from wanting. And the deeper you get, the more delicious and full is the taste of freedom from all wanting. Freedom from desires. It just shows you the second noble truth. This is what you're supposed to be understanding, really understanding, getting to understand these things. Understand suffering and then abandon the cause of suffering, the wanting. You know you've overcome it, you've abandoned it because you feel it. This is not an intellectual exercise, it's an experiential journey. (coughs) You overcome craving and you feel the beautiful bliss of freedom from desire. Just happy being here, and it gets better and better, minute by minute. It just deepens and solidifies and takes you into incredible deep states of meditation. And you understand suffering and its cause. And obviously, that when you give up your wanting, you're just happy to be here. You don't want anything in the world, freedom from all craving. There is nothing left to drive you to a new birth. You understand what this craving is. It creates the world. It creates your next birth too. It just creates everything. It creates suffering. It's wanting. It's not you. It's not there's something wrong with you. There's something you have to fix up. It's wanting is the problem. Craving, desire. You see that. It's very easy to sort of speak about that and argue it logically. But that doesn't really do much for people. They need to experience it themselves. And this is why I like to point out that you've had those experiences, just about everyone. I call it sometimes the most happy moment of your life. We haven't wanted anything. Maybe you're on retreat, sitting there, you've just had a beautiful lunch. Sitting, just watching through the, on the veranda, just looking at the, the forest or looking at the rainfall. You don't want anything in the whole world. That's called freedom from desire. Close your eyes and stay there. And don't want anything. Don't spoil it by wanting something. Don't disturb the peace. It just grows and gets deeper and deeper like a tree. And then it's huge. It's huge stillness. It's huge peace. This huge freedom from wanting anything in the whole world. That's the happiness which is recommended. Rare in this world goes against the stream of craving. And then you feel freedom. You have a taste of freedom, a taste of Nibbana. You understand what we're here for and understand how this rebirth is ended. And you can be like what it said in the in the Dhamma Chakra Sutta. You can actually say that rebirth has been destroyed. You know its cause. You have Kinabija destroyed the seed. Kinabija. That seed is wanting. You don't want anything in the whole world. Perfectly at peace. Freedom from craving means no rebirth. So that's the taste of freedom. So when you're meditating, when you're living, when you're eating, whenever you're doing, when you're having to 
to get on that computer and write an email or something. Just be free from wanting. Stop bitching and grumbling and I don't want to do this. And stop trying to get it out of the way so you can do something else. That's more wanting. Whatever duty you have to do, do it not wanting anything in the whole world except just to wash the dishes. That's the talk this evening.